This podcast contains sensitive content, which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is not ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. And listen, you guys. (laughs) It's been been a couple of months, you know? It's been a bit. Yeah. So we wanted to, you know, our last episode was about our core values. Hopefully you guys remember that episode. And, you know, we really just wanted to really let that... (laughs) marinate with you guys i really (laughs) wanted you guys to just be able to sit with that for about the entire fourth quarter of the year so uh we knew it might take a couple months to like cut all those squares out and then figure out and then get it all ordered and organized but hopefully you have figured out your top 10 core values because that's really essential in setting your boundaries and today we're going to talk about using your voice to articulate your boundaries and to negotiate your boundaries with other people so we're going to give you some more things to do if you haven't listened to that episode go back and listen it's episode four (laughs) (laughs) this is episode five of season five i think right yeah and anna yes if we actually if we actually get if we actually get this edited Mm. and out there before the end of december Mm. this Mm. is our last episode for this year and we did one more than we did last year and so i've really got high hopes for 2024 (laughs) where we can maybe break six And then, you know, I know we got to set our goals. We got to make our goals achievable. Listen, so. here's, how, here's how I like to look at it. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people do, po- a lot of people who do podcasts, they crank these suckers out every week, but you and I, we like to take our time. And then when we finally do produce something, it is solid gold. It's like, it's like the duck that lays the golden eggs. I think it's a goose. Oh, the it's like the goose that like, yeah, of course it is. The golden goose. Mm-hmm. Takes a couple months, <laughs> you know, to, to really like build up, <laughs> to really build yeah. up your goose egg. Mm-hmm. And so we like to just, we like to give you guys a solid gold goose egg once every couple of months instead of giving you trash every week. I think a goose egg is not a good, it's not a good thing. I don't think you actually want to be producing a goose egg, do you? Well, if there's solid gold, I take a solid gold goose egg. All right. Well, I'll have to think about that. I think it's that it, it stands for zero for some reason. That's what I want to, that's what I want to say. Look it up. The word, if you the do phrase go- goose egg means zero. Yeah. If, if you produce a goose egg, I think you produce a zero. Listeners, goose- is that true? <laughs> is that just in my head? Google it. Goose egg means. I'd ask Alexa, but I turned her oh, off. Oh, goose egg, a zero score in a game. It's informal oh. North American. Once again, our team goes home with a big old goose egg. Goose egg. Yep. There you go. I see. I was right. So getting back to our topic, picking up from where we left off last episode, we talked about figuring out what your core values are. And we moved into, you and I both have our core values. My top five are faithfulness. And this is in the order of importance. So number one, my number one most important value, which means the thing that I most am attracted to in others and the thing that I am most at peace with or at home with in myself Mm. is faithfulness. Mm. And then family, health, contribution, and knowledge. Those are my top five. Oh, wow. Give us your top five. And here, Anna and I are going to have a little bit, a little conversation right now Uh to show you how to have a conversation with somebody who's important to you, because this is an excellent way to get to know somebody. Mm. I, I don't know if I've mentioned this on this podcast, but I have this idea. I'm, I'm a little worried about sharing it. However, I think I will, because if it's here and somebody else comes up with property, it, right, baby, I can show I had it first. I have this idea because it is so hard 
the dating scene is so difficult. And I would love to reach that population of singles and do this thing called read dating, <laughs> where you sit down, you, you've heard of speed dating. Redating or read dating? Read, read, as in read a book. Oh, read I thought dating. you meant read as in like the things that grow in ponds. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, you know, it rhymes with speed dating. Yeah, now I see. But you got to understand I was why it was a little bit confusing. Yeah, I can see. It's kind of like when Spellcheck guesses that you're trying to say Methuselah when you're trying to type in <laughs> mine. <laughs> I know my girl has such the most random autocorrects. It's bizarre. Read dating is where I am. I am inventing this so nobody steal it. It's where you provide a safe place for people to sit across from each other. I don't know why. And why this makes me laugh so hard, but you go, it, nobody's doing my idea. It's when you create a safe place. <laughs> well, I don't like, are you whispering it? You're whispering well, it into a recording as if it could possibly matter less. Listen, if you're listening to the radio and you know there's someone around you who steals ideas, Turn down the volume so that you can just hear this because I know you won't steal it. Okay. So where you just like speed dating, you're going to sit across from somebody for five minutes. But instead of just talking about random, like, what do you like to do? And how long have you lived here? And just wasting that precious time with information that I could have got off your Facebook page. You have to explain in five minutes the most important book to you and why. Hmm. Go. Me? Oh, me right now. No, I'm saying, oh. no, we're not dating. Well, I would be, be opposed to doing a dry run to show people what it's like, but I would need a minute to think about what books were most important ever. And that would just be one example. Like we might give different questions every time the bell rings, like your favorite character in a book, the book you're reading right now. What page are you on? What's difficult for you about getting through a book? What's your favorite genre? Why? I think that a real goldmine question that you just listed in particular would be the what page are you on? I feel like that's a real, exactly. that could into a really long conversation. What page are you on? 36. Great. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I don't want to know that you did read a book one day at one point. I want to know that you are a reader. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And then ding. What books are you reading right now? I'm re reading all kinds of books. Well, name one. That you're actually reading. And it's the honor system. Like we're at Tapawingo. What do you mean? It's the honor system. What's that mean? As in that every, almost everybody on this earth, if they get asked by somebody, what book are you reading right now? They will say a book, even if they are not actively reading a book right now. Oh. Like maybe the last time they, oh, they cracked open that book was four years ago. I'm always actively reading a book, but okay, so let me ask one. you this question. Give it to me. Well, let me ask you this question. Does Audible count? Because I have no. to listen to my book. What? Why? <laughs> because that's listening to a book, not reading a book. Okay, well then. Now, I'm not saying that's not absorbing literature. It is. But the question wasn't, what literature are you currently absorbing? It's, what are you reading? And if you're not reading with your eyes and words on a page, that's not reading. All right. Well, I just started reading then, like the old-fashioned way, where you actually run <laughs> your eyes over the page. Oh, yeah. A book that was given to me that I absolutely am enthralled with. It's called bye. Pilgrim. Huh? Are you there? Yeah, I just said Bye. <laughs> enthralled by sorry go on yeah oh by which i'm enthralled it's fine, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> by which i'm enthralled. insufferable i thought you were saying bye to aaron no it's called pilgrim by ruth chow simons 25 ways god's character leads us onward and it's full of her artwork and it's a devotional so i just oh. i just started that one and i like it because it's gorgeous you will you will really like it i'll show it to you okay sometime what about you what are you reading i've just finished the defector by daniel silva and i've just moved on the last week to the way of kings by brandon sanderson what page are you on and i think i'm on page like uh i think just before page 230 240 mm -hmm. i haven't actually looked at the page number but i'm a good amount into it i love it wow yeah what number you don't know what oh sorry but i don't know what page i'm on no because i don't what because that's chaotic. If people are like remembering where they're at in a book by memorizing the page number, that's nuts. No, I dog ear the page and I, or if I'm feeling particularly lazy, I'll just keep the book open and I'll put it face down on the surface next to me. Okay. So let me tell you, can I tell you the book I'm, I guess, not reading, but listening to on Audible? Yeah. Lay 
Law school for everyone. The great by the great courses. Law school for everyone. Yeah. What are you learning about? It's just like a major overview of what it's like to go to law school. And why are you looking at that? Because of you. Oh, and what have you learned so far? What page are you on? Um, it doesn't really do pages. How many how many minutes or hours are you into? Well, the whole book is uh, mm-hmm. the whole book is twenty five hours. Mm-hmm. And I have twenty four hours and forty two minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> you're 18 minutes in baby that's good news well well the book is 25 hours long yeah and how far into you and i have 24 <laughs> hours 59 minutes and 59 seconds left to go to go oh my word and it's 18 minutes that's like the title page <laughs> i gotta tell you i love the great courses this is a little dry and i think it's because of the topic it's just listen law school ain't for everybody there's a reason that it's yeah. got the reputation it has it's i can tell yeah. that it, it do be dense though also just a quick side point people always talk about the top two professions in the world being doctors and lawyers and there's a big group of people who think law school is the hardest there's a big people who think med school is the hardest let me just say i have met countless idiots that have gotten through med school <laughs> but as of yet Every idiot I know in law school is failing. So it, I think if you really look at it, I think less idiots make it through law school than do med school. But that's just my personal opinion. And granted, it's biased because I've got beef with the medical profession. I know. The other book I'm reading, Anna, is... Do you remember when we interviewed Dr. Karen Swallow prior? I do. Also known as Karen. I think I called her doctor 27 times. Yeah. Yeah. Totally respect her. And she wrote the book, The Evangelical Imagination. So I'm listening to that. I'm also listening to a book that I think is helpful called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. Oh, I've got some friends who could really benefit from that. So I'm reading that one and it's by Lindsay Gibson. It's a shorter one. So, okay. Anyway, getting back to our topic. Oh, our five values. Ah! Faithfulness. Sorry, mine are faithfulness, family, health, contemplation, and knowledge. And yours are? Wait, wait, say yours again. Contemplation, knowledge, family, health. What was the fifth one? Faithfulness, Faithfulness. family, health, contribution, and knowledge. contribution. You said contemplation. No, I didn't. Contribution, knowledge. Play it back, baby. Do not edit that out. You keep this in. I I want everybody to hear you say contemplation and then me say contemplation. And you said, no, contribution. That's what I said. Mine are faithfulness, family, health, contemplation, and knowledge. And yours are? Oh, contribution. You said contemplation. Contri- no, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah, go ahead. Read your top five, Anna. My top five in descending order are nonconformity, sexuality, adventure, freedom, and intimacy. Then we would go back and forth and say, hey, can you give me one person that really embodies your first value? And then I'll do, I'll do the same. That really embodies that first value in a way that you find beautiful, attractive, inspiring, etc. We did a little bit of that on the last podcast, mm-hmm. but um, then you go back and forth and do all five. Then... You go through and you talk about, you give yourself a rating scale of one to three. One would be, I am not in alignment or I'm I'm in low alignment with this value currently. And then three would be like, I feel like I'm pretty much in as much alignment with this value as I can be. So let's start with yours, Anna. What, we're starting with the rating thing? Yeah. And okay. And you can only give whole numbers because three is not a lot. One, two, or three. One would be low. Can I give... Can I give it like a 2.7? No. You're either number one, out of alignment. Number two, sort of neutral, but room to grow. Number three, I don't really know if there's much room to grow. I feel like I'm doing this one. I'm pretty much in alignment with this one. Okay. Well, for nonconformity, I I am going to give myself a 2.8. And in doing so, I'm bumping myself up to a 2.9. Because you said I wasn't allowed to... <laughs> To give you a point scale. (laughs) And since the value is nonconformity, I'm doing it anyway. And that's actually helping me be more in alignment with it. So I do feel like there is a little bit more space to grow in terms of my nonconformity, but I do feel almost fully aligned with it. Do I get to the other four as well? No, I'll do mine next. Faithfulness. I feel like I'm at a one. 
I am I am a faithful person, but there's so much room for me to grow right now in that area, just to, in consistency, in being a little bit more focused. I also feel like faithfulness has to do with my spirituality and I, I'm needing a tune-up for sure. I need to get some discipline going and I need to get some routines going back with me. I've just been a little bit in survival mode. So, so I'd say one, that doesn't mean I'm failing or anything. It just means I got a lot of room to grow with that one this year. And uh, by the way, I do not like new year's resolutions. Neither do I. We put enough pressure on ourselves already. This is the conversation that I think you should have every year with yourself or with your significant other to talk through. And that's what Anna and I are going to do tonight to figure out specific, measurable, attainable, reasonable, timeable goals that actually align with your values. I think this is where people will just be like, oh, I want to do this because I heard about it on the internet. No, like it's got to be something you intrinsically are motivated to pursue. So this is why we do this work. Okay, what's how about your number two? What number would you give yourself? My number two is sexuality. I give myself I give myself a three with that. Okay. Mine is family. I'd say two for me. Okay. Number three? My next one is adventure. I'd give myself I'd give myself a two. Okay. Mine is my number three is health. I'd honestly I'm up there with health. I'd say three, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe two. I want to really improve my yoga practice and I want to improve my arms, arm strength. Go ahead. Okay. I appreciate that you clarified that you want to improve your arm strength and not improve your arms. Period. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I want to just commend that about you. And I love that about you. And I also love that you've always been the kind of mom who's been a champion of body, uh, of being comfortable with, with your body. And for me being comfortable with my body and body positivity and non-body shaming. And I just want to say publicly that you are a lifesaver in that department. And I love you so much. Thank you, sweetie. That's very sweet. My fourth, yeah, of course. My fourth one is freedom. Freedom, I'd give myself a one right now. Mm. My fourth is contribution. Mm, I'd say one also. I really- How are you feeling like a one? You are doing more than like 20 other people could do. But I'm like a scattergun. I'm contributing. <laughs> I'm contributing. Yeah. I'm like a circular firing squad. I'm contributing in a circular <laughs> range. A circular not, firing squad I'm not, is a great analogy. I'm not actually, you know, honing in on one particular thing. And I really think to make a contribution, you have to be focused. And this is a problem for me, Anna, as you know. I like, I just end up going like, I'm going to do this, that, that, that. Oh yeah, I'll do this. Yes, yes, yes. And this is my boundaries problem is saying yes to too many things. And so contribution, I have a lot to grow. What's your four? I already gave you my fourth. Oh, five. Yeah. um, My fifth is intimacy. Mm -hmm. Um, On intimacy, I'd say, I'd say I'm at a two. Okay, great. And my fifth is knowledge. And for knowledge, I'd actually give myself a three. Good job. I'm constantly learning, constantly reading. I got 10 books that I'm listening to, taking classes. I always take way more classes than my license requires because I just love learning. I just feel like I'm always learning from every person I talk to, just trying to soak it up. You know what I mean? Mm. Doing my best. So anyway, you go back to get your one, twos, threes. And the place obviously that you want to focus on first are your ones and your twos. Because if you're threes, you're doing great. You know, you can go through all 10 on your own and then just the first five with a partner or friend with that conversation. And then the next part, is where we talked about last time about writing a paragraph per value about how you want to be in more alignment in the coming year. So if you remember, one of the things that I want to improve on is contribution. So I have started my paragraph, Anna, it's not finished yet, but I got it started. And here's how I, here's how I've written it so far. And you write it as if it's happening. So by this time next year, I want this to be true, what I'm about to say. I have completed the safe and sound manual. So safe and sound is the support group that I started in our church after leading smart recovery for eight years. Every Monday night, I was able to transition out of that support group strategy into this new creation that incorporates the faith and also um, what I believe is excellent healthcare practices that have been researched and found to lead to the best outcomes for people who have developed an unhealthy attachment to a substance or behavior. And a lot of times Christians want to keep like spirituality separate from psychology, but they don't understand the reason these things work 
is because you can find their roots in the character of Christ and in his plans and in his ways. I really want to focus on finishing this manual, getting it published. And I know in the paragraph I want that we have, oh, this is a high goal, Anna, but that we have completed and edited and published at least 20 episodes for 2024. Wow. Okay. That's a little under two per month. I think we can do it. You think? Uh... Promise? <laughs> Promise? I'm not going to promise. I'm not, I don't believe in promising things. I believe in letting my yes be yes and my no be no. But yes, I do think we can do it. Okay. Anyway, so that's the paragraph I'm working on. And then the goal is, guys, that once you get your paragraphs done... You crumple up the paper and you eat it. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is some new age stuff. No. <laughs> to manifest it, you got to crumple it Listen. up, you got to eat it, and then, then it's in you. That Listen, <laughs> seriously though, here's the deal. I really believe you have to read these out loud every day. And here's why. When you go through trauma, you feel powerless, you feel hopeless, you feel helpless, and that creates a narrative below the conscious layers you don't even know is going on. So you almost like want to be confronting that every day. You want to be reading this out loud and kind of setting your intention for what you plan to do. It doesn't mean it makes it happen. It's not magic, but it does ground you. And then it also helps you to keep them in mind all day. And it's going to help you with your assertive voice. And we'll tell you about that in a minute. Now, I, but first I want to hear Anna's paragraph. Go ahead. I think I would like to do my paragraph on adventure. Okay. What number did you give yourself for that one? Oh, you, it was low. Um, a two. Yeah. Okay. So I am writing the paragraph to be true this time next year. Is that right? Yep. Okay. I am living my life in a way that every day I feel like I will be seeing something new and experiencing something I haven't experienced before. Hmm. I have seen at least three more countries. Oh, three. I, so at least three, or maybe even not new countries, but I've been on three international trips Okay, this year. I have found a way to bring the people that are most important to me in my life with me on those adventures. Oh, I'm going, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's good news. But I've also made time and put in the effort and resources to have solo adventures as well, because I never feel more at one with myself than when I am on a solo adventure. Hmm. I don't have to conform my plans to somebody else who might not have the same comfort level as I do with everything. Oh, this is a great point. So that's my paragraph as I'm working on it. But can okay. I also make a quick point? Yeah. I've realized recently, we talk a lot in, in modern life about comfort zones and, oh, that's out of my comfort zone. Or, oh, you know, really try to push yourself out of your comfort zone and this and that. Mm -hmm. Here's what I've realized. I really don't think that I have a comfort zone. I can be fearful, but that's not the same as being uncomfortable. You know, like if somebody tries to attack me on the street, obviously I'm not going to be comfortable, but I'm also not going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to be scared. In terms of trying new things, getting into positions where I could fail or where people could judge me, things like that don't mm -hmm. really make me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I do, however, have kind of the opposite of that, which is an excitement zone. Mm -hmm. So... The majority of experiences, most people would say, are within their comfort zones. Mm -hmm. For me, the inside the typical person's comfort zone thing, for me, is outside of my excitement zone. And in terms of living in accordance with my adventure value, mm -hmm. I would love to see myself living much more in my excitement zone rather than in my non-excitement zone, also known as like a typical comfort zone. You know what I mean? That's so interesting because as, as I'm thinking about you and I'm thinking, what is outside her comfort zone? You really do not get embarrassed or awkward about pretty much anything. And can I tell you something? That is one of my very favorite things about me. And I think that I have you to... to <laughs> let, me introduce, you. let me introduce you to your best friend. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. It, it is. It is pretty impossible to make me feel uncomfortable truly like I have friends who comment on that and they're like you need to have you know a little bit more shame and I'm like no I don't I absolutely do not well for sure not that and I tell you what that is definitely in conformity with my adventure value well I think that not having shame also makes you able to own when you do make a mistake because if you don't shame yourself and you just accept that you know I am not perfect that you can say you know I messed that up yeah I made a mistake there and it's not like I have to defend myself and defend Defend, 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 or like try to convince you that you're seeing it wrong. It's because what, what, if I know I didn't do it perfectly, why can't I just own it? Why can't I just say, oh, I, I can see that, you know, I do that. Mm. And 
I don't have to agree that it was wrong. And I definitely don't have to agree that I meant to hurt you. Mm -hmm. But I shouldn't first say, I didn't mean to. And have that be what what convinces you to feel better. What I first have to say is, ah, it's important to me that you're sharing that with me, that I hurt you. And, you know, that must be really painful. I didn't even think of that. And thank you for telling me. Mm. Amen. Preach it, sister. Anyway, so we're talking about use of assertive voice. How does this play in to our use of assertive voice? Well, as you're reviewing your statements, which is refreshing your goals for the year, which I do recommend at least five sentences per paragraph and have each of those sentences be under that core value. So in other words, if I accomplish this sentence, it's going to be an expression of this core value. Does that make sense, Anna? So under each value, the goal under each value is to write about five sentences for each value. And every time you make one of those sentences true, you're getting closer to that three out of three mark for each value. Is that right? That's right. Exactly. Well, that's the goal. If I um, accomplish everything in each paragraph, then I will be in alignment with my values, which may mean that I had to do some repair work on some gaps. So those of us who have had our boundaries assaulted by the unhealthiness of someone else. So for example, if one of your core values is creativity and every time you try to be creative, somebody's like, that makes me uncomfortable or something like that, then you, then that value might, you might be feeling insecure in that value, or you might be feeling like, I'm not good at that. I'll tell you what I'd be feeling if somebody did that to me. Uh, Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Sayonara, baby. By the way, who here knew that sayonara, Japanese? That's I did. Japanese I did. for goodbye. I, I had no idea that sayonara was Japanese. I thought it was like Italian no, or something. I might not have known that. But anyway. Yeah, I was about to say. It makes sense to me though, right this instant. It makes so much sense to me. I think I did know it. But anyway, getting back to values uh, and boundaries. An example of someone violating that boundary would be if somebody attacked my creativity, called it stupid, called me untalented or belittled me or demeaned me. Okay. So if I've just come out of a relationship like that, I need to factor that into my statement for the year because it takes time to heal once I've had a boundary violation. My paragraph under that might be, I no longer doubt myself in the area of creativity. You know what I'm saying? So like where you, if you are someone who has really gotten your boundaries beat up and your core values, for whatever reason, you have been unable to live in alignment with them, be it through an unhealthy attachment with a substance or behavior or somebody else's unhealthiness or somebody else's cruelty or bullying or things like that. You really have to factor that in when you write your paragraphs, because this is the year that I'm going to heal the boundary violation. But then next year, I might really be building and shooting for the stars, you know, with it. So trauma produces a false boundary. It produces Mm self-protection. Okay. Self-protection is not what we want to keep us safe. We're safe. We keep ourselves safe by knowing our core values and knowing our boundaries, which means my yeses and my noes, my ears and my toes, (laughs) self-protection what is go- its goal is to keep you away from from things that are uncomfortable but we have to be uncomfortable we have to lean into the discomfort to build resilience and so therefore we have to know it's not just uncomfortable for no reason it's being uncomfortable for the goal of becoming resilient so that i can be and do and feel and experience the fullness of who I've been made to be, my values. Does that make sense? Yeah. But Anna, I have a question for you. And this might be a hard question for you, but when do you find it difficult to be assertive? When I feel responsible for the other person's emotions, which is not a correct feeling, but sometimes I feel it anyway. Okay. And what makes that difficult? Is it because you're trying to prevent hurting them? Yes. If I feel responsible okay. for the other person's emotional and psychological well-being, it makes it puts me in a difficult position of essentially not being able to honor my own boundaries because I'm instead preferring what I'm assuming the other person's boundaries to be because I'm viewing that person as weaker than I am and in, and as in need of my own. I'm viewing them as being in need of my protection. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like my preemptive protection. So if I come up against somebody who I feel like cannot withstand my own assertive voice, Mm -hmm. I will smother my assertive voice 
in order to allow them to not be stomped on. Does that make sense? I see. So it's even though it's in reality, it wouldn't be me stomping on them. It's just that that person needs to build more resilience, probably. But I still sometimes I get into this place of feeling responsible for another person's well being if I if I perceive them as essentially as weaker than I am. Yeah. So is that because you're afraid of hearing that you're too much for them? Or is it because you're afraid uh, that you can't handle seeing them be hurt? Neither. What are you avoiding? What am I avoiding? Well, I'm att- I would be attempting to avoid the other person feeling hurt, scared, or overwhelmed. Why? Okay, that's a great question. Why would I not stomp on the paw of a kitten? Because I care about the kitten and I don't want the kitten to be hurt. But being assertive doesn't mean being mean. I know that. Being assertive is telling the truth. But if I perceive the other person as incapable of hearing my assertive voice without being hurt or scared or overwhelmed, I will withhold my assertive voice in order to not cause them to feel hurt, scared, or overwhelmed in the same way that I wouldn't stomp on a kitten's paw because that would make them feel scared, hurt, overwhelmed. Do you see what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that this is right because I don't think that you should ever feel like you're in charge of another person's emotions. Your locus of control is your thoughts, your feelings, your behaviors. Yep. And that's me crossing the boundary of my locus of control into somebody else's by trying to control their emotional well-being by not using my assertive voice. I don't think it has to do with a fear on my part. No, it's, it's, not, it's not anything to do with a fear for myself. It's only trying to protect them preemptively, which is not a good thing. Are you in the process of changing that or is that yeah, I am. something that you've... Getting, getting better at it every day. Okay. So it's not something that you've just accepted or something. No, definitely not. No, it's mm-hmm. something that I recognized about myself back, probably back when I was, when I probably when I first moved over here at whatever, late 16, early 17. Yeah. Nowadays though, I realized, no, it's not my responsibility to, to smother my own opinion. I think, I think that's such a good distinction because I think something for me, and maybe you have found this as well, is that feeling like when I am disagreeing or trying to, trying to be assertive, is disrespectful or interpreted as disrespectful. Yeah. And realizing, well, actually that's, it's actually more respectful to tell you when I disagree than it is to pretend like I agree. So once I realized that, I thought, you know, it might still be interpreted as disrespect, but honestly, I disrespect faking it. And that's a good thing to disrespect. I disrespect self-protection. Now my perspective can change And I certainly can share my perspective in a way that is disrespectful, but I don't believe we should ever tell someone, oh, your content, which is in disagreement with mine, that's disrespectful. That can't be true. I can be sharing it in a way Hmm. that is not honoring, like by calling you names or yelling at you. Hmm. And I'm okay. I can modulate my tone. I can raise my eyebrows. I can take a step back. I can take a, I can take a couple breaths in between sentences, but it's not disrespectful to disagree. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think disagreement can be a thing that some people are hesitant to use their assertive voice in because they don't want to seem like a disrespectful person or they don't want to seem like a constant dripping conflictual person or someone who's always trying to fight or they just don't want to fight. You know, I think that that can be a time when someone doesn't use their voice. They want to say something, but they just sort of mute, put themselves on mute because they don't want to have a conflict. And I totally respect that. It is something we got to build resilience for. I think I would err on the other side. I like a conflict and that's probably not good in a different way. And I've had to pull back from trying to find connection in conflict. Yeah, I hear you. So I really feel for people that are conflict avoidant or conflict averse, but I do think it's something all of us, I have to build resilience for not having a conflict. Yeah. And other people have to build resilience for having a conflict. Conflict does tend to bring up negative emotions in terms of feeling threatened or maybe feeling threatening. Yeah or maybe feeling insecure in a relationship that means a lot to you, you know, like wondering how this conflict is going to impact a relationship that you really want to keep close. Yeah. But in the end, 
one of the reasons that I love conflict is because when you are deep in a real conflict, that is one of the only times that you can be sure that you are getting almost 100% honesty from someone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure. Other than, of course, you know, some people take conflict the wrong way and they use it as an opportunity to hurt, mm-hmm. which at that point, you know, a lot of times that's not tr- that's not honesty coming from that person. That's just aggression. But in a good conflict where both people are earnestly trying to seek out a resolution. Mm -hmm. I feel like if you are in it, you're like, you're in it, baby. And that you Mm -hmm. are spewing honesty and you're receiving honesty back. And you can, you can really open up so many emotional containers that have been being kept closed in your relationship with this person, you know, out of politeness or out of a social contract to not get into that stuff. But then once a conflict happens, it's like all bets are off. Here's how I'm feeling about you. Here's how I've been feeling about you. Here's what I hope for us. Here's what I really hope not for us. You know what I mean? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love a good conflict. And I think it's okay to talk, like if you are conflict diverse, I think it's okay to talk about like, okay, I need these boundaries. Can we have a time limit? Can we have a volume limit or modulation? Can we stay away from labels? Can we stay away from saying all or nothing? You're always like this. You're never like this. Because that really can hurt people for no reason. We're not really getting anything done. But I always say conflict that's done well should lead you to feel closer with the person you're having Mm. the conflict with Mm. because conflict really is a journey into vulnerability. Mm. If we're doing it well, we're not done talking until we feel closer. Mm. And so that might mean we're tired and it's too late to keep going and we're starting to branch off. And we just say, you know what? Let's meet again tomorrow and talk about this again. And let's keep talking. And that's the important part. You've got to stay until the end of the conversation. I had my niece yes. with me for the last for the last 10 days. She came down and visited. Yeah. And I, I was talking to her at one point and I said, we were watching a movie. We were watching the movie Australia, as a matter of fact, Oh, which is a fantastic movie. And at one point, the male protagonist is having an argument with the female protagonist because the male protagonist is going to have to leave on this trip for a long time. And he only just got back from a different trip. And they're in an argument about their adopted son. Mm-hmm. And he says, I've got to go. And she... She storms off after him and he busts out the front door and she's standing in the front door and she goes, I need you to stay. Yeah. And he turns around and he says, I'll see you when I get back. And then he leaves. And I turned to my niece and I said, I need you to know that that's cowardice right there. Mm -hmm. He needed to stay. It's so Mm -hmm. important. And obviously this is a movie, so we know that it's all going to turn out okay. But in real life, in real life, it is so crucial and critical that first of all, you personally you have to stay until the end of a conversation. If you're in any kind of a partnership, not just a romantic partnership, mm-hmm. you can be a family member, you can be a friend, you can be even the coworker or a colleague. Mm-hmm. You've got to stay in the conversation until both of you are back in some form of agreement. You yes. might you might come to a complete impasse, mm-hmm. but until you reach that point completely definitively, you've got to know and you've both got to have had the chance to say everything you needed to say. Yeah. You've got to stay there until the conversation is over. And if it's over and it's, and so is your relationship, then that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But if you leave before the conversation is over, then that's on you. So not only do you have to stay, but also you have to value yourself enough to know that the other person has to stay. Your niece is like, um, I thought this, we were just going to watch a movie. I didn't know I was going to get a TED talk. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah. And I'm like, no, baby, listen, you're here with me. Everything's a learning opportunity. This reminds me of a speech. Um, I had a dream and it's that people (laughs) would stay until the end of conversations. Yeah. You know, I think that is an excellent point. And I think that people who justify, oh, you know, it's just, I don't like conflict. Okay. Well, you can't choose your own discomfort about conflict over the attachment. It's okay to say we need a break because it's you know, it's okay to set your boundaries. It's too loud. It's too fast. We have to slow down. We have, but you want to keep coming back until we both feel safe. That's attachment, right? Like we, if we're in a conflict, one of us doesn't feel safe. The reason people are right in each other's faces and yelling is because they feel miles apart. And so they yell, even though obviously they know they can be heard. They're not dumb. They're emotionally or spiritually feeling so far away. And so they're really calling out, but it's okay to say, Hey, I can't, I can't talk with you when you're yelling. We'll have to take a break. Let's come back. We have to keep talking though, because I care about you more than I care about my fear of conflict. I would totally agree. That's super important. And then also I dislike this phrase. Oh, well, we're not on the same page. 
We're not looking for the same page. We're looking for the same library. Exactly. Or even the same county. I would even take two libraries in adjoining counties, but you're no, almost never going to be on the same page because we're attracted to people that are very different from us. This is something to think about people is that as you're thinking about using your voice more, you've got to think about where you're at with conflict because obviously pursuing growth in any of your core values, it may bring up conflict for you. And that doesn't mean you have to be really good at fighting or really fast with all your words or, you know, but you are going to have to get some resilience to conflict because holding the line on your boundaries means having that kind of resilience. Yeah. Preach. So conflict is something we can talk about next year in one of our 20 episodes. (laughs) But another reason it makes it difficult, here's the people I have the toughest time being assertive with. I have a tough time being assertive with people who I feel are more secure than I am, interestingly enough. And it's not that I have a tough time saying what I need to say to them. I have a tough time not wanting to fight them. Like I I have a tough time. Mm. I feel my assertive voice leave its moorings and I just want to argue or I almost will have a conflict and I really didn't need to. So that again, that I air more with my assertive voice with going into not aggressive, but more just conflictual, hmm. which I don't like doing. Hmm. That is interesting. Rarely am I withdrawing from a conversation. <laughs> that's not that's not my wheelhouse speaking of, of insecurity. Speaking of withdrawing, it sounds like you were leaving yeah. the house in the middle of saying no, that. No, that's, <laughs> that's your dad. Uh, but no, he's actually coming in. He's not leaving. Oh. And and for people that have a hard time using their voice, you've had some people like that in your life, Anna. What do you tell them or how do you, if they ask for your wisdom, what do you say? It depends on what my relationship is to that person. Mm-hmm. I have had friends come to me, you know, they, they say, oh, I'm having trouble with this person at work or with my boss or with this person. And what I typically say is, okay, well, what what is it that you're afraid of if you if you do share those things? They'll say something like, well, if it's a family member, for instance. Well, I want to make sure that I'm being respectful, you know, if it's one of my, if it's like my parent or my grandparent or Mm -hmm. my boss, Mm -hmm. or, well, I don't want them to think that I, that I think that I'm better than them, or I don't want them to think that I don't want them to think, right? I'm trying to control their perception. Exactly. Control things I don't control. Exactly. And so then I bring it back to the locus of control and I say, well, all you can control is your thoughts, your feelings, and your behaviors. And you really do owe it to yourself to be honest. And and this is the thing. Mm -hmm. You can't have a deep, genuine relationship with somebody if they are in a relationship with someone who is not you, and if you're smothering your own assertive voice whenever you're with this person, the person that they are in a relationship with isn't you. Mm. That's that's the version of yourself that you've concocted specifically for that person, which isn't your genuine self. Mm. You've got to be able to honor your own self in saying, these are what my needs are. These are how they're not being met. Right. I want to be able to have a genuine, productive, cherishable mm. relationship with you, but you're not honoring these things or I'm not having space in the relationship to be who I actually am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to me that I, that I, and it's not just important to me, it's important to the relationship and it should be important to you as well, that I do have the opportunity to do those things. Here's my assertive voice. And in the end, what they think of you actually does have very, very little impact, which is how you can break free of social anxiety if you try hard enough. <laughs> Put your piece on start. You yeah, win. You're done. <laughs> you win. Congratulations. We're glad, we're glad we solved that. Yeah. Seriously, I think you and I could, we could seriously run classes on how to beat social anxiety. You know how they do exposure therapy with obsessive compulsive disorder? Mm-hmm. You know? I think mm-hmm. that you and I could run a social anxiety course of, <laughs> of social anxiety. Step one, I'll take the first class. Yes. It'll be me taking our whole class into the nearest grocery store, yeah. having us all split up, and then me just shouting people's names from the middle of the grocery store to try to relocate. Or like you did in CVS when, when we got Yeah, that. give me the bowel stimulus. <laughs> I'm like, shh. What do you say? Yeah. Bowel stimulants? Are these the things that you yeah. want? Are these them? Okay, but listen- yeah. Because mm. that's the thing. It's not illegal to yell, where are the bowel stimulants in the middle of CBS? <laughs> it's not illegal. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. People might look at you funny, but that's their problem. You know, I don't, I don't care. That's their work. That's their work. That's a matter for them. That's a ma- this is a matter for them. But here's the thing. I think that it's good to kind of figure out what is assertive voice and what is it not. Assertive voice is not overpowering someone else. Okay. So part of being assertive means being attuned to who you're talking to 
if if somebody starts to feel overpowered by you, you do want to be sensitive to that. And there are different ways to get your point across if the person that you're speaking to is feeling overwhelmed or flooded and saying things like, can we slow down? Can we lower the tone? Can we have a break? You know, all those things should be honored because you you need to treat whoever you're using your assertive voice your assertive voice with as an equal, but at the same time, using your assertive voice, (laughs) (laughs) it's really important to use your assertive voice. That's because dad just came up and gave me the thumbs up because he liked this part of the speech. But the thing that it's also not is it's not pleading. Mm. It's not threatening. It's not being aggressive. It's also not being passive aggressive. We've known some of those types of people (laughs) where they're not really coming out with what they want but they're still going after what they want. Yeah, and you know what our motto should be there is, I'm coming <laughs> out. Yeah, exactly. The reason sometimes people can't use their assertive voice is they're spending so much time monitoring and predicting and preventing and mind reading and outside of themselves that it comes to, to a point when they are to share something And they actually don't even know what they feel. So therefore, they don't know what they need. And that's not a safe place to be in. So you have to be attentive to yourself without being self-absorbed. That's tough. And then you have to be able to articulate, choosing your time, choosing your space, choosing your tone, choosing your face, what you want to say. But also, Anna, I think this is key. And you tell me what you think about this. Mm. When you use your assertive voice, you need to know what you need to accomplish with it. Mm. Yeah, It's good to have an idea of, I'm going to enter this conversation and what am I hoping to accomplish? Is my goal, is my use of my assertive voice to improve an attachment? It's not going to be very good then if I'm losing my self-regulation. My goal when I use my assertive voice is never to win when I'm using it with a person that I care about. I will admit, sometimes I do fall into, if I see a person who needs to, if I I run into a person (laughs) who I... (laughs) (laughs) Ba-boom! I kind of feel like, okay, you're putting up a little bit too much of a stink. And I think you need to be put in line a little bit. Uh-huh. Sometimes then I will use my assertive voice in with the intention, not only to win, but to really just drive it home. But, but I just said, <laughs> which isn't that's good. not a use of assertive voice. I just said, that's not a use of your assertive voice. That's a use of your competitive voice. That's a little different than your assertive voice. I would voice. say it's the use of my dominant voice, but yeah, I hear you. Okay. I hear you. What is your goal? To, to figure out the truth. To be known. My goal, I think, that's, I think that's a good goal for you. I think my goal <laughs> is normally to figure out the best outcome, whether that be figuring out what's actually true because me and this person disagree on, uh-huh. on what is the truth or figuring out what the best you know, solution is to a problem that we both recognize, but we're disagreeing on how to fix it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think I think when I go into it, I'm looking to collaborate to figure out the best way of moving forward. I like that. Here are the two areas I need help with reinforcing the other person that you're talking to. Like sometimes you have to pause with your point and ask yourself, what can I say to to help this person almost like put my arm around them and say, like, I want you in this conversation. Mm-hmm. I need help in that one. And then the other one is negotiating. And you're probably good at this, Anna, because you're trained to do this as a lawyer. But what am I going to give to help the person be motivated to receive? You know, so for example, if I'm sharing like, hey, I really need this to change. Mm-hmm. Am I actually communicating what I'm willing to sacrifice if I'm asking for them to make a sacrifice? I think that that mm. is something in a lot of relationships we should always be looking at. It's just, it's probably usually a sacrifice on the part of the other person, but then am I also willing to make a sacrifice? Mm. Sometimes we just get into a habit of we get the other person to be making all the sacrifices. And then we realize, oh, we're out of we're out of balance. There should be equality in sacrifice, in work, in giving, in understanding, in pursuit. I think this is a really big one. Sometimes people are like, well, I just don't like to pursue things. Well, you're in a relationship, so mm-hmm. <laughs> you must pursue each other equally, or it's an unequal relationship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. You know, if it ain't broke, don't break it. Ugh. I hate that. I don't want you to break anything, but <laughs> you might want to look closer. Yeah. <laughs> because 
all of us are broken and all of us need to be pursued for growth and help and healing. And if you really care about someone, you're not just thinking about your comfort or your discomfort. You're thinking about, oh, how can I pursue you for your well-being? Hmm. How can I pursue you and come towards you, even if you don't want me to? One of the least attractive things for me in another person is timidity which I know that there are some conflicting opinions on that. A lot of people think that that's actually quite a good thing. I just, I, I just can't stand it. I don't know that anyone would say timidity is a good thing, but they would say like gentleness is a good thing. Well, gentleness is very different. Yeah, true. But I would say that timidity is somewhat synonymous with the characteristics of meekness and I don't know, being meek and being mild would probably be somewhat similar to the idea of being timid. So that's what, that's why I'm saying, I know that there are arguments that, you know, timidity is a good thing, but I just, I can't stand it. Honestly, even if it's something like that, if someone's vulnerable about that and they share their story and they're open about it and they're not ashamed of it, it could still be attractive. Not to me, but I, I find <laughs> Yes, it could be, but I'll, but I'll, I'll prove Stop it trying someday. to make me attracted to things I'm not attracted to. But honestly, to me, the most attractive thing is security. You know, so anything could be ugly with insecurity. Anything could be unattractive if it's done from a place of insecurity. And this is what we're talking about. There's a big difference. There's shyness, there's introversion, and then there's timidity. If, if I were to start like a conflict with, with a man that I care about and he were to like shy away, that's what I would find just absolutely not attractive at oh, all. Okay, I want so- them to be able to withstand the full force of me like to be able to withstand the force of a thousand suns. If you can only withstand the force of two candles next to each other, I, you, you're not for me. Okay. That's just, you're not for me. <laughs> Listen, there are t- timidity in men is such an attractive quality to, to many women. I'm sure it's just not me. And I'm allowed to not be attracted to certain things. <laughs> timidity is one of them. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess it, I guess it's how you define it. I think if it's like a, a if it's like self doubt, exactly, or like a hesitancy, self doubt, self pity, you know, self protection, self pity for yeah. sure. I think those I think those things are actually way more dangerous than people give them credit for because agreed, those things can heal. And you don't have to just, be like just an get ex- out you here in these be- streets. Who what are, who are you trying to protect? Yeah, just get out here. People get hurt and we figure it out. You know what I mean? You don't need to stop anything bad ever happening. To well, you. plus. This, this is the thing. Conflict is not a bad thing. And if you're so hung up on trying to avoid it, thinking that it's a bad thing, you're never going to be able to get into a deep relationship with anybody because if you can't handle conflict, you can't handle a deep relationship. Listen, you guys become comfortable with conflict. So I'm, scratch the whole episode. <laughs> scratch the whole episode. This isn't something you should be working on for years. Just be comfortable with it. Come on. It's part of being in a relationship because it is what helps us grow closer. Excellent. I agree. Okay, good. Well, I think we should probably wrap this up because we've gone quite a while, but this has been a very enlightening. I hope that you guys found this helpful. I challenge you to write out your paragraphs for your core values. And we are going to see you next year right here. I'm not ideal, but we're going with it with season six, Anna, with our 20 episodes. Are you, do you feel like you're ready for this? Oh boy, am I. We'll see you guys next whenever. Here. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.